Hey there, I'm a glue stick, so I have one job. I glue kids stuff. So sorry for being jealous of Geico, who does a ton more. Like give you 24-7 access to thousands of licensed agents. And Geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97% customer satisfaction rating. While I've just got mediocre adhesive skills, Geico also has an award-winning mobile app. Uh-oh, arts and crafts time. No eating the glue stick, Miss Lydia. Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting show, Supernatural Girls Radio. Here we are again on Wednesday night, and I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co-host all the way from Tucson, PK. How are you tonight? Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. I'm smack dab between two cold ends of the world, and my part is not so bad. Oh, that's good. Good news. I'm mm-hmm. glad. I know. We were just talking about this. California is in a big mess with oh, for sure. lizards and floods and mudslides and all that horrible stuff. But hey, guess what? We're having a heat wave here in New England. You're 50 kidding. degrees. Can You're you believe? kidding. Not kidding. Well, yeah, it was we'll only 60 take... something late this afternoon here. Wow. Well, you know, in New England, we have a different kind of temperature conversion rate. And when it gets to be 50 in winter, we take the convertibles out. <laughs> I believe it, too. I remember <laughs> living back east. Yes, it does make a difference. Oh, goodness. We get so acclimated to that bitter cold we had. But now, uh, I don't know what's happening, but we'll take it. We'll take these 50-degree temperatures. You better believe it. We're expecting rains to hit sometime on Friday, definitely all day Saturday. So things are starting to move again. Oh, boy. Well, you know, we've been talking about our guests that we have on tonight all week. We are so honored to have R.J. Stewart with us. Uh, Way do you meet R.J. Stewart audience members? You are going to be thrilled because we're thrilled. And we know the absolute power of what he has to share with us tonight. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. So we're going to introduce him in a few minutes. But first... PK, what's going on? What's going on with numbers? Today's been one of those days. It's all been about the details of things, everybody having to be a team player, the practical side, pushing things one way or the other, and feeling kind of worn out and requiring a lot of patience. But it's the way it is. It's a work day, regardless of what we do. So for those that want to find out, they can go on my uh, Facebook page. And every morning, it'll show you what the day's all about. And I'm just giving you a quick recap here. But tomorrow, hey, hey, it's a five day. So it's all about personal freedom, wanting to do the things you want to do. There's a luck factor that goes with it. 
which is fun, and it's a great day for socializing. So if you want to know more about it, check it out on Facebook. That sounds good. Under Patricia Kirkman, K-I-R-K-M-A-N. That's who to look for. Now, I do have to mention a sore subject. Uh-oh. Property taxes. Oh, that's right. No, we all make that horrible grimace when we hear that <laughs> term. Now, look, we've got a book on our Supernatural Girls homepage, and you need it. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. You've got to figure out how to read that property record card, your value cost sheet, so you know if you're getting screwed or not. Now, according to the author, Patricia Quintilian, who's an attorney here in Massachusetts, most people are getting screwed on their property taxes because they've never taken the time to learn how to read that card. So they spend Mm -hmm. more time looking at their grocery store receipt to make sure they weren't overcharged and not looking at their property tax card to make sure they're not being overcharged. So here's your chance. You only have until the end of January to file for an abatement if there is an error on your card or you're being taxed on something you don't have. Hey, you know, I have a dear friend who here in the town I live in, she was being taxed on a barn she didn't have. Can you believe it? Good grief. She paid probably full of edibles too, right? <laughs> yeah, five years of of two thousand dollar a year taxes on a barn she didn't have till she figured it out. See, she got Patricia Quintilian's book. Are you mm-hmm. getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. So, you did don't think was, you're you're being screwed? You're probably wrong. You got to get well, the book. I was wondering, did she get a rebate on that? No. Was she able to prove? Oh no. no? Oh, boy, so you have got to get the book before the You've got to get the book, and you have a limited amount of time. The the laws are not in your favor, and the time frames are not in your favor. So this is why Patricia Quintilian wrote this great book. It's easy to read. There's horror story uh, in there that are just, I hate to say it, they're funny, as long as it's not happening to you, but... It's a great book, and it's something you absolutely need to have if you are a property owner. This is affecting you. So well, I think sometimes people assume because you were talking about Massachusetts and such that that was only for your state. It isn't. It's for yeah, all states. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. All the laws are different in every state, but they pretty mm-hmm. much run the, the same gamut, which is how to screw the property owner. So you've got to be forewarned, forearmed, and this is the book for you. You will find it at SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. So take a look. We also have Sean Bartok's book there, Flashbacks. Excellent oh, yes. Book. Mm-hmm. UFO abductee case, one, a case, one of the few that we've heard about just recently. It's been a while. So Sean was on the show and his book you can find on our website. Again, SupernaturalGirls.com. Ezra from TheHighEnd.org mm-hmm. has new growing marijuana classes. If you want to learn how to grow these things, he's teaching everybody how to do it. And he knows everything about medical marijuana, can lead you through that whole, every step of the way. He can help you out. He's a great guy. You'll find him on our website. And someone new we're adding, Tom Palladino. He has found a way to Mm -hmm. disengage and dismember, I should say, uh, all kinds of viruses, bacteria, Mm -hmm. with scalar energy. He is offering a... Free 15-day treatment at creativestrength.us. So you can go there. I'm going to post this tomorrow on our Facebook page. 
But you can go there, creativestrength.us, and sign up. It's free. All you need to send is your photo. He'll take care of the rest. It's an amazing treatment. I've heard from a lot of people mm-hmm. who've used this, and they're very thrilled with it. So, anyways, lots and lots of things that we're offering. Yes. And, anyways, very exciting. So go to SupernaturalGirls.com, sign up for the Fringe Files newsletter, follow us on Facebook and Twitter, give us a like. We, we just love you guys, and that's why we work so hard to bring you the very best Yes, and that's what we have for you tonight. Oh, that we do. I'm so excited. I can't wait to start chatting with him. I know, I know. I feel (laughs) the same way. We are honored. We are truly honored because tonight we have R.J. Stewart. And he's the master of the underworld, in my opinion. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Not a doubt in my mind. You might argue with me. I don't know. We'll find out. But anyways, he is an incredible author. He's written like a gazillion books. I'm going to give you some of the names of them. And he has developed and teaches an international program, Inner Temple Traditions, Inner Convocation, Exploring Original Techniques for Spiritual Growth and Transformation. Now, this was founded in the 1980s and continues today with a core group of experienced teachers trained by RJ and his partner, who's absolutely beautiful. Did you see her photo? Oh, yes. Stunning. Anastasia Newt. Oh, my God. She's gorgeous. So, anyways... uh, RJ is he was born in Edinburgh, Scotland. Ah, wonderful. Very, very exotic. His father mm-hmm. came from a Gaelic speaking family, originally from the Western Highlands, and his mother was Welsh, from a Welsh speaking family originally from the Gower Peninsula in South Wales. Quite a tradition that RJ comes from. Now I'm just gonna grab a few of his books here. So many. I have pages and pages here of his books. Mm-hmm. The New Merlin Tarot, The Sphere of Art, one, two, and three. And he's got, oh my gosh, Advanced Magical Arts and The Hidden Adept, The Inner Vision. You guys just got to go to his webpage, which is rjstewart.net, so you can see these books and buy them. They're also on Amazon. And yes. they're all excellent. We had a, a choice to read a few of them. We loved what we read. It's amazing information. The Living World of Fairy. Oh, my goodness. There's so much here that RJ has to offer. So we got to get him on. RJ, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be on the show with you. Thank you. Well, thank you. My goodness. Now... There's so much to talk about. I barely know where to begin, but let's talk about you. How did you get involved in these practices? Well, you know, it's very hard for someone to answer this kind of question, but I'll I'll do my best, okay? Okay. Uh, For many, many years, I was a musician, and later on I was a musical director for film and TV and so on. And so in the early days, there was a big, big folk song revival in Britain and, of course, in the USA. You know, this is where Bob Dylan, uh, our great bard, mm-hmm. just got his, his Nobel Prize. This is how he started. And so <clears throat> being involved in old magical ballads and traditional folk songs and so on, it really, like as a teenager, then I went on from there to the deeper stuff. And I was very, very fortunate because I found 
uh, three wonderful teachers who've you know long since passed on to higher dimensions and uh, I was very very lucky to find these these wonderful teachers who helped me a great deal well your books are amazing. You're a very prolific writer, and everything that I've read that you've written, I know, PK, you did too, it's it's just so profound. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about the fairy world, and I think yours was the first I, I really just grasped so much of what mm-hmm. you were saying. And it's it just, it, to me and to PK, we just thought this is the truth. This is how it is in the fairy world. And this is how to make contact. So now you also mention in some of your material that not all fairies are nice. Well, <clears throat> you know, there's different ways of looking yeah. at who and what are fairies. And the way I look at it, it is to do with uh, ancestral traditions. What did people think about fairies, say, 100 years ago? And they thought about them in a very different way to the way modern people think about them. Uh, And it is indeed true that there was concern that you had to be on good terms with the fairies, because if you weren't, things might go wrong. And if you were, things would go very, very right. Now, today, we see that as awareness of the environment, When we treat our living environment badly, things go wrong. When we treat it right, things go really, really well for us. We have food, we have water, we have clean air. The fairy tradition is about the spirit beings in nature. And so just as we have to treat nature right, the old ancestral idea was you had to be on friendly terms. The same as you have to with your neighbors. You know, fairies are our neighbors. And they are. And now you talk about how to begin communication. And you talk in your books about offerings that we found fascinating about you you leave certain things for them, but then you have to dispose of them properly. Can you talk to us about that, how to do this, how to leave offerings? <clears throat> yes. This is a very ancient, ancient idea. If you go all the way back to... Uh, the Middle Ages, then back to ancient Rome and Greece, back to Egypt, back to Babylon. They'll go back thousands of years. And people were leaving offerings for the spirit beings of the land and sea. And there are many cultures today that still do this. There are people today who've had nothing to do with books on fairy tradition, and they still live this way in parts of remote parts of Europe right here in the Appalachians where where we live today there are still people who do these old practices it's kept very quiet and very secretive and the idea of offerings is often misunderstood now what do we do this for what is the actual purpose that this is this is the question it's not something you do out of fear and superstition it's not that you leave offerings in case you get bad luck. You know, it's not like to deflect bad things. Here's the real understanding of offerings, which I think is very important, which anyone can do, even if you live in an apartment in the city. Offerings are about just a little bit of giving back. What do we offer? 
we offer sometimes things that you've baked, sometimes fermented beer. You know, beer is a fermented drink, so is wine to a certain extent. Uh, you offer things that have come from harvests, and whatever's been harvested, the humans work their special magic on it, like we do when we cook, when we brew, when we bake, when we make something. And then you give some of that back to the fairy beings that have helped those plants to grow originally. So it's like closing the circle, going full circle, giving back. That's what offerings are about. Now, it sounds like it's a really nice thing to do, but I also saw in your book, you shouldn't leave too much alcohol out for the fairies. <laughs> yes, yeah. Any particular reason why? <laughs> there's all kinds of things we shouldn't offer. Chocolate is not good, because if you leave it outdoors, any wild critters can eat it and poison themselves. Poison, uh, chocolate is poison to most animals. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah dogs. Or, remember, if you have a dog, you never give your dog chocolate. Right. Um, so, <clears throat> and also offerings should be cleaned up. You know, like if you have a little altar outside in your garden, you put offerings on it. Keep it clean because it's your mother goddess's table. You wouldn't want it to have rotten offerings on it. So yeah, that simplicity and cleanliness are really big in fairy tradition. And what about in inside? Can you leave offerings inside your house at your altar for them? Well, you could. Uh, traditionally and typically, fairy offerings are outdoor things. Mm-hmm. We and many, many of our students and friends all in all over the world go out and do offerings uh, outside, like trying to tune in to the four sacred directions and giving offerings to the fairy beings. A very simple process. Inside offerings are often more to do with, is there a particular, let's say there's a particular god or goddess that you have worship and respect for, like you sometimes see in uh, Thai restaurants, you see offerings there to the uh, the king and queen and the Buddha and the ancestors. So a, an altar in the home is often where you leave something for a deity. Mm-hmm. The fairy realm is the outdoor realm of nature. Now that's my understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And other people might wish to do it a different way, and that's fine too. Are they drawn to any specific color? Well, that's a good question, and I, I, I don't know if I'm able to answer it fully. The, the traditional fairy colors are red, green, and white and black. So red, white, and black, and green. These are the ones that feature a lot in folk tales and old fairy folkloric mm-hmm. magic. And... <clears throat> I think that this is a kind of individual thing. There may be fairy beings that form a relationship with you, and maybe they will like particular colors or particular plants, uh, particular offerings. And so you talk about when when you've made these offerings and they're kind of starting to decompose, you need to bury them. Is that what you're recommending? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Offerings should always be what we'd call compostable. 
Now, the other great offering, very old-fashioned, very powerful ancestral magic, is milk and honey. Stir honey and milk and pour it on the ground. And that does several things. It creates an energy of sweetness and nourishment. And it's very traditional for working with fairy beings. They kind of recognize, they know what you're doing when you do that. The other thing it does, of course, is it will nourish the earth. Oh, that's a great idea. You just put it right on the earth, milk and honey. Most liquid type offerings, you pour them into the earth. Uh, Sometimes you might find, actually, I'm going to tell you a little story. One of our friends and students lives in Queens, uh, in, in greater New York, and he went out and put an offering under a tree. He lives in a really urban area. And then he went out the next day, and somebody else had put something else there. Huh. And a few days later, somebody had hung something in the tree, and he said within three weeks, this tree had become a big shrine with everybody hanging oh. in it and <laughs> leaving offerings. Isn't that neat? Because he lives in a multicultural community. In mm-hmm. Now, he started it because he made the first offering, and people picked up on this. Isn't that amazing? It is in New York City. Oh, my goodness. That yes, is amazing. Is. Yeah. I have a labyrinth in the backyard, and then I have a, uh, a a deity in the middle of it, and I put things out there as different crystals or stones at different times. Is there anything specific that would be good to add to that? Well, let me ask you, what is the deity that you have? It, it, it resembles Quan Yang, but it isn't. It's uh, something of that nature, though. Okay, so it's a goddess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's many different kinds of goddesses, and some of them like certain offerings, and some of them like others. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but you also ha- you have to feel, what does this goddess want as an offering? Because they'll tell you. Because ah. the, the statue that you have is, of course, not the goddess. It's just an image. Right. But the image of the goddess is connected to her spiritual power. And the spiritual power comes through the image. It could be an icon, could be a statue. And you get a sense of what is the right way to behave and what your offerings should be. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I have been putting specific stones. Uh, Rose Quartz is the last I put in her lap to hold. And I change those out periodically. So I hadn't thought of adding different foods to that as well, but I certainly could. Well, you know, all over the world you see altars with gods and goddesses or ancestors or spirit beings. And to this day, millions of people are giving offerings every day. This is not an old, outdated practice. I mean, think of the Hindu temples. Mm Mm-hmm. Their offerings are given by millions of people every day to the gods and goddesses. This is an ongoing spiritual practice that works. That's exciting. So, yes. PK, you're going to have to report back next week on what, I shall. what she wants. Yeah, we want to know. That's exciting. That's interesting because I want to know because I hadn't thought about it before. I just It was more about how it felt but not about what it felt it needed. Yeah, that's a whole different way. Yeah. A whole different way. So, RJ, with 
fairies? How, I mean, what are they tall? Are they small? Are they, I mean, what do they look like? Do they look like what we've kind of been taught to imagine? Okay. Well, this is the big question that, that everyone always asks. Yes. And it, it, the answer is a kind of, is an answer about being like a child and, and being like a grown up. And somebody explained it to me uh, a long time ago, like when we're kids and with our own children, when we have them, fairies are always explained as being bright, small beings that are happy and kind, that uh, want you to do good and be good and be compassionate. And that this is exactly the right way to start young children with the idea of fairies. The fairies are in the flowers, they're in the trees, they're in the stones, and they're your friends. This is the kind of thing we want children to understand about nature and about nature spirits. And then as you get older, you begin to realize that fairy beings are not always fixed in the way they look. Many of the seers and seeresses in the old fairy tradition said, well, yes, some of the fairy beings are so big that you have to look way up to see how tall they are. Mm. And others are so immense, they're like the power of a mountain. And so when you talk to them, you're talking to just one fragment of their power. And so this is how we come into it as we grow up. So you get this whole transformation in terms of what fairies are and what they're capable of in energy. Yes, yes, indeed. And fairy beings, are, they're spirit beings. And they present themselves to you in a number of ways, according to tradition. And they'll also present themselves according to what you believe. Oh, okay. So if you believe certain things, they'll show up that way. If you believe other things, they'll show up that way. They're fairies. They can change into anything they want. Oh, so they're like shapeshifters in a good way. Yeah. Is there any way that you can contact them and bring them out when you're in need or when you need to, to learn how to share? Well, again, this is, this is a complex question. And one has to start simply. It has to start with something small. Typically, if you do something for them, they'll do something for you. There's a kind of mutual friendship and mutual support. So the classic example is uh, going back a long way to the 1960s, the Findhorn Foundation in Scotland. They, they were founded by people who had a lot of fairy beliefs. Um, Dorothy McLean from Canada is still alive today, a wonderful old lady. And they worked with the fairy beings, and their first few years there, they grew their own food, and the crops were immense. And they were so big that they were reported in the press, and there was a lot of excitement about it. And they said, well, it's because we talked to the fairies. And uh, they had a wonderful old Scottish gentleman called uh, Mr. Ogilvy Crombie, a great Scottish name. And he talked to the fairies all the time, and he helped build up that communion so when you work with them, things start to change. But like all friendships and relationships, it's about mutual interaction. It's not about asking for something and being given it. 
And it's not about demanding something. It's about give and take. It's about friendship and relationship. The same as in human life. But the difference is that to us, the gifts the fairies give are truly remarkable and miraculous. And we, of course, have things that are remarkable and wonderful for them. I can't imagine that they need something from us. What what do we have to give? Well, you know, think how separated humans are nowadays from nature. Yes, very. One of the greatest gifts we can give is say, we love the land around us. We love the trees, the flowers, the sea. The, the, what we can give is human love. Mm. Uh, Anastasia and I go to a small event uh, fairly often. I've been going for many years called the Fairy Congress, which is held in eastern Washington in, in the Methow Valley in Twisp. It's only two or three hundred people going, just a few hundred. But it's all about love and relationship with the fairy beings. And it generates a wonderful atmosphere because people go to it with that in mind. They want to love, they want to give, they want to relate. Is there a specific time of year that this takes place? Yes, it's uh, June 23rd to 25th this year. Ah. And you can find it on the web if you Mm -hmm. you up fairycongress.com. And they have presenters and concerts. I'm I'm doing a concert, and uh, they have all sorts. It, it's a lot of, and it's a family event. It's not oh. like a lot of the stuff I do and Anastasia and I do together are specialized magical workshops. Fairy mm-hmm. congresses for children of all ages, from the youngest to the oldest. Oh, it's fun. Well, Sounds want, lovely. Yeah, I want to get back to talking a little bit more about Finhorn, but in a minute we have to take a break. So we'll just hang on to that thought. And I also, PK, I forgot to mention our paranormal news. We have something mm-hmm. on our Facebook page. Everybody needs to take a look at it. It looks like some type of a being from the underworld. I has hesitate to say what. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of a monkey. It yeah. really does. It almost looks like a monkey, except that the upper shape is not quite the same. Yeah, well, take a look, everybody. Someone took this picture. They didn't see it through the lens. They only saw it when it was developed. Mm-hmm. That was very. That's very typical of these types of photos. Go to our Facebook page. Take a look at that. It is a truly extraordinary photo. Tell us what you think. We want to know. So... Listen, everybody, this is a great show with a very honored, honorable and amazing guest, R.J. Stewart. He has written a ton of books. They are all on his website, rjstewart.net. You're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. You didn't 
forget what's coming up tonight, did you? Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Never miss that interview you were looking forward to or the show on your favorite topic. Follow IRN on Twitter, I underscore, R underscore N, and get reminders about the evening's live shows as well as fun and important updates throughout the week. That's I underscore, R underscore N, and never miss a great show again. My name is Ezra, and I'm from thehighend.org. You've heard of medical marijuana, but who can you trust for proper guidance? Here at thehighend.org, we have all the information you need. Did you know that scientists have discovered cannabis can reduce inflammation, pain, and spasms? It's helped my patients reduce the symptoms of autoimmune diseases, PTSD, autism, and insomnia. A compound from hemp called CBD is doing wonders for intestinal issues anxiety and the nervous system i sell this compound hey there i'm a glue stick so i have one job i glue kids stuff so sorry for being jealous of geico who does a ton more like give you 24 7 access to thousands of licensed agents and geico has been around for over 75 years and has a 97 percent customer satisfaction rating while i've just got mediocre adhesive skills geico also has an award-winning mobile app uh-oh arts and crafts time no eating the glue stick Miss Lydia! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. At thehighend.org. I've worked as a medical marijuana consultant and educator for the past six years. And here at thehighend.org, I can help you choose from the hundreds of cannabis strains and products and find the ones that are best for your needs. To learn more about cannabis, schedule a Skype or phone consultation, or to have a CBD product shipped right to your door, visit thehighend.org. That's thehighend.org all one word, dot org. I'll help make your health high-end. Hi, can you hear my voice? Imagine how many other people can hear it too. If you have advertising needs, then look no further. The Inception Radio Network currently has openings for on-air advertisements and radio show sponsorships. Giving any thought to your target demographic? Inception has you covered there too. Advertising on a network gives you multiple opportunities to advertise on a wide variety of radio show broadcasts, and we have one to fit every advertising need. You know, in recent years, Internet radio has exhibited a phenomenal listener growth, and Arbitron Edison survey shows that online radio boosts at least 33 million unique visitors each week and 54 million each month. And that number amazingly continues to grow. And these listeners are a part of many businesses' core demographics. And surveys have shown that Internet radio listeners are far more likely than regular radio listeners to spend money on a whole range of activities. You know, Internet listeners vote, they dine out and eat fast food, and they grab a cup of coffee. And here's the interesting one. They buy items online at a much higher rate than all other market segments combined. Internet radio also enables businesses to connect with consumers during work hours, where increasingly more lifestyle decisions are being made. Advertise with the best. The Inception Radio Network offers competitive advertising rates to fit just about anyone's advertising budget. Stop by today at www.inceptionradionetwork.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-919-2355. Get the word out. Get results with the Inception Radio Network. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do... 
head to facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word and keep listening to the best. Hello, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Remember, you can take your Inception Radio shows on the go. Just download the Inception Radio Network app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android smartphones and access live shows, past shows, guest lineups, and much more. Just visit the iTunes Store or the Google Play Marketplace and download it today for free. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I am your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, PK, and our amazing guest tonight that we're so honored to have, R.J. Stewart. And we were just talking about Findhorn, and I don't know if our audience members have ever seen those photographs of how large those vegetables got to be. But can you describe how large they were, RJ, so that our listeners can have a, a sense of it? I can try. This was a long time ago, of course, but they grew gigantic cabbages that were just, like, out of sight. Nobody could believe they'd seen such large cabbages. And a number of other centers have done this. There's, uh, let me see, was it Perlandra here in the USA? And a number of other uh, spiritual centers have had great success with growing food plants. And I truly think it's because they do, they talk to the fairies. They, they make a relationship with the spirits of the land. And everyone benefits. Well, that makes sense. And I could never understand how they managed to create such large vegetables. I just remember being in awe when I saw the pictures. I mean, the cabbages are not just large cabbages. <laughs> they're like, they're, they're bigger than anything I could have ever even imagined. I mean, just huge. They would have fed, I don't know, at people for a week. They were so that big. They were that big. So I want to ask you, RJ, about... An incredible story I heard that I know our audience wants to hear about Robert Kirk. Tell us about him, and and I understand you had your own encounter with him. Yes, well, the Reverend Robert Kirk lived in the late 1600s in Scotland, 
And he's very famous in terms of fairy tradition. And here's why. He wrote a little notebook, just a teeny notebook by hand, that's become one of the most famous books on fairy tradition ever. And, of course, he wrote it just to give it to somebody. In fact, he wrote it to give it to the pregnant wife of his bishop. He was an Episcopalian. Mm. And it's all about, it's called The Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns, and Fairies. Isn't that a great name, The Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns? It is. In fact, I have it sitting right here in front of me. Yeah. Um, And then around the 1990s, I did an edition of it with a commentary, because no one had written a commentary on it before. But his notebook was all about what the local people did, what were their practices, what did they believe. And because he was very learned, he spoke many languages, and he was the first person to translate the Psalms into Gaelic. Because we forget nowadays, nobody could read the Bible they couldn't read it because they spoke other languages, or if they were Catholic, the Bible was in Latin. So the movement to translate these uh, Christian texts into a native language was very revolutionary indeed. Anyway, he wrote about the fairies, he wrote about the beliefs and practices, he wrote a lot about the second sight, which is where you sense and see and feel things uh, in the fairy realm, And often you have fairy allies who work with you and can see things at a distance. Mm. And so my uh, story about this was I went to the famous, famous place in Scotland called Aberfoyle, where there is Kirk's Fairy Hill, which you can visit to this day. And you can see his gravestone in the churchyard there. And I was sitting on the hill meditating. It was very, very quiet. And I got this real sense of uh, Robert Kirk. And I really felt like he was there because the story is that he's still in the fairy realm. Because didn't he just disappear and people found his diary? So nobody found his body. Well, they they say there's there's a couple of different versions of the story. Okay. But they all come down to the thing that he's still active as a kind of go-between in the fairy realm. And so after that encounter, where I really felt his presence, and uh, I went away and I did this book, which is called Robert Kirk, Walker Between the Worlds. It's, it's still in print. And uh, this was my commentary and my thoughts on his notebook. And as writers on spiritual subjects often feel, and I'm sure many people have told you this on the show, when you work on something like this, you have contact with the beings you're writing about, with the Definitely. people you're writing about. Mm-hmm. And yes. they come through and work with you. And I really had this with uh, Robert Kirk. It was a very wonderful experience. That's so fascinating. How fortunate. And didn't you see him? Also, I did briefly. Um, I did, uh, and here's the funny part: in fairy tales and old magical ballads, uh, people are summoned back by the blowing of a horn. You know, like a a trumpet or a horn, a, a musical horn. Okay, 
And so I'm sitting on the hill meditating and getting this sense of Robert Kirk, and I'm seeing him. And my friends who were driving me around came to the foot of the hill and blew their car horn. And uh, <laughs> the car horn, which pulled me out of my meditation. And, of course, at that point, it faded. But oh, so it was the blowing of a horn that got me back. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, maybe I'd have gone into the fairy realm. Yes, because my understanding was that Robert Kirk was not being allowed to leave, that he had to find a, somebody to take his place. That might have been you. Well, this kind of story is very widespread. When we look at traditions like this, they're, they're folk tales. And you get, actually, I'll tell you where you see the latest version of this is in uh, Carlos Castaneda. Mm-hmm. Where in one of his books back in the, when were they, in the 80s, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, he says that a man appeared to him and asked him to help bring him back from the spirit world where he was trapped. That's exactly the same story that was told about Robert Kirk uh, 300 years ago. Mm. So these are, the way I understand these stories is they may or may not be literally true, But they're kind of magically true. It's about the fact that there are other worlds, there are other dimensions. You can go there, you can come back. And sometimes maybe you help someone to go there. Maybe you help someone to come back. So in the place where there there are many stories, as you mentioned, about him, it, it was fascinating to me to think about uh, the possibility that they didn't want to let him go unless he was willing to find a replacement. Again, is that part of fairy lore also? This is a very subtle subject. Because what it's really about is who's willing to be a go-between and help everybody get together. In the fairy tradition, there are a number of these go-betweens. You find them in Irish stories. You find them in Robert Kirk's story. The other great Scottish one is the Scottish historical, medieval Scottish poet and prophet, uh, Thomas the Rhymer, who is a real historical person. And the, the tradition is that he went into the fairy realm riding on the back of a horse with the fairy queen. And so these are figures that are there to help us relate. And so it's like a tour of duty. So when they've done their tour of duty, somebody else takes it up. Mm-hmm. Because I thought with Robert Kirk, and I might have this mixed up, but I, my understanding was that he was afraid he wasn't going to come back from his next trip into the fairy realm, and then he didn't. Okay, well, again, we, we find this story. There's a Scottish ballad that's one of the most powerful magical ballads called Tam Lynn. And in Tamlin, the handsome young Tamlin has been carried off by the fairy queen. But his lover, who's a human girl called Janet, does a magical ritual at the crossroads at midnight to bring him back. You see, you see the connection? You see how it's... Yes, yes, how fascinating. And, you know, with these kind of stories, sometimes there are how could we put it, like pejorative versions, which are to do with religion, like, oh, this stuff is bad, and you get trapped, and, and, you know, it's bad, bad. Right, right. (laughs) It it adds that element of fear. (laughs) Yes, 
<laughs> yes. And so when you hear these stories, you have to kind of have a a broader mind and say, well, okay, I understand that some of this is religious propaganda, some of it's real, genuine fairy magic, and most of it's a mixture of the two. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, here's some questions coming out from the chat room for you, RJ. Uh, this is from Trisha, who wants to know, are the fairies capable of leaving traces of DNA behind when they cross over to the human realm? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Um, to my knowledge, um, <clears throat> I don't think fairies have DNA because they're spirit beings. We have DNA, which is very important in our consciousness and our growth and our evolution. But the fairy beings, and Robert Kirk talks about this, of course, in his book, uh, are metaphysical. They're spirit beings. So they can certainly leave traces of energy, but whether they'd leave traces of DNA, I would, I would probably say not. Okay. And here's a question from Starlight, who would like to know, I always wanted to know how their transition between realms, or if their transition between realms, is similar to descriptions of aliens slipping in and out from other dimensions. Yes, this is a great question. Uh, I, I'm very glad that, uh, that that was asked. <clears throat> and... As with all of these things, there's a number of different ways of looking at it. Prior to the 20th century, there were no stories about aliens at all. Uh, the idea wasn't known, but there was lots of stuff about fairies. And the idea of beings that can come from other dimensions, that can move around way more freely than humans can, that have unusual powers, this was very much the fairy tradition. But in modern time, a lot of this same idea is talked about with regard to aliens. And I, it's not really my place to comment on uh, teachings about aliens and so on, because it's not my field. My, my field is somewhere else. And I know there are many people who know a great deal more about this than I do. But I do see a connection. And the connection is very interesting and very significant, and probably not enough serious work has been done on that connection. That's fascinating when you think about it. It is. Well, and I, you know, we are always talking about on the show and, and also off the show, how are these beings coming through, whether they be in spirit form or some other form? Mm -hmm. Because we are aware that there are many dimensions. There's also other planets that have life. So how are they coming in and blinking out? They, come, they blink in, they blink out. And we've talked a lot about portals. You know, are they using certain areas on the earth or certain magical objects that create portals so they can come in at their at their will and also leave at their will? And we. Yes. So, yes. OK, I, th I think <laughs> the answer is yes. I, well, I'm, well, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes to portals. <laughs> OK, and, <clears throat> this is an old this is an old tradition. It goes back a long, long, long way, thousands of years. 
look at the stories of, oh, let's say, the Greek gods and goddesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some Greek is traveling down the road 3,000, 4,000 years ago, and suddenly the goddess Athena appears to him like, there she is, and she tells him what to do. You see the similarity? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like all of a sudden she's just there. And that's how people talk about this, whether it be a UFO or fairies, like they, they're mm-hmm. looking at one. This is like that photograph where the person took two photographs seconds apart, and only in the second photograph did this being show up. How did they get there so quickly? So that's always a question we like to discuss an answer to on our show, because it, it seems to be connected with everything, including Bigfoot. Well, also, it's to do with time, isn't it? Yes. Is every mm-hmm. single being in the cosmos marching to the same beat of time? And the answer is no. So it's true. a lot of our time might seem incredibly slow to them. Uh, to us, their time is, is quite different from ours. So something that takes us many years to achieve, they can achieve in an instant. Mm-hmm. Something that we can achieve quite quickly as humans is maybe something that they can't do. Mm. A lot of it, I think, is about the kind of interaction that modern quantum physics analyzes, the interactions of time, space, and energy. Mm. I had someone call me this morning that uh, had taken pictures, and there were some orbs in the pictures, and they were curious as to be, to see what was in the orbs. So she said she took a jeweler's loop and took a look at it, and she could see entities in the orbs, but she had no way of sending them to me. She tried to so that I could pull them up tonight, but I was unable to do that. So hopefully I'll get it from her soon, but is is that... Do most orbs have something in them? I've, I've seen pictures before with uh, what seem to be little fairies inside or such. Is there a specific uh, type of entity that goes with orbs, or can it be any entity that, that should uh, join them? Well, I, I like many people, I've seen lots of photographs of these orbs, and uh, there was a wonderful series that my friends Raven Gramassi and Stephanie showed me a few years ago. They had a, a shrine to uh, pagan gods and goddesses in their garden. Beautiful shrine with statues and pillars and so on. And they were wanting to photograph the moonrise. And the first photograph was the shrine. The next one had two or three orbs in it, which was great. Then the next one had more orbs, and by the time we got to photograph five or six, there were thousands of orbs streaming through this shrine. Mm. Quite stunning. And I know a lot of... Now, I've not seen this myself, I, I must say, but I know a lot of people say that they go in and look at the orbs under magnification mm-hmm. things in them. I've heard this many, many times. And mm. it's an interesting phenomenon because it's a new one. You don't see it in old photographs. No, you see you don't. Like, yeah. You, yeah, you see things like ectoplasm and mm-hmm. strange lights and so on, which are often explained away. But orbs are a new phenomenon in modern photography. 
Hmm. Interesting. Now, Raven's been on the show um, a couple of times. Yes. Oh, yeah. And he actually lives right near us here in uh, where I am in Massachusetts. And so he and his wife and I were talking. Actually, I was trying to track you down, RJ. And (laughs) and I called them and said, you know this guy? (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, he's great. And then they told me about the same story about the orbs. I'm like, you Mm -hmm. were holding out on us. Why do we not have this photo? So... (laughs) Anyway, they did promise to send it, so uh, so we'll get to to take part in it as well. And they are great people, just great yeah, people. They really always are. enjoy talking to them and having Raven on the show. Now, here's another question for you, and this is from Space Traveler. Wants to know: Are there any references of them? I think he's talking about fairies in religious text, or could we have misinterpreted descriptions of angels for fairies? Hmm. <clears throat> well, these are these are all good questions tonight, uh, and I'd like to thank Space Traveler for asking that one because that's one of the big, big questions. Oh, good. Now, I heard, I read, very good, insightful explanation of this in an old uh, Gnostic text uh, dating back about, you know. 2,000 years, or perhaps perhaps a bit less than that, 1,500, 1,600 years. Um, and it said, there are the angels of the Father in heaven, and there are the angels of the Mother in the earth. And I thought, that's it. The fairies are the angels of the Mother in the earth. Hmm. Isn't, isn't that a wonderful description? Yes, oh, definitely. Yes. And that, that, is, I think, yes. that, I think, goes a long way to answer the question. And also, it's a great meditation. Yes, yes. it is. Yes, it would be. Yeah. And, and you have some wonderful meditations in your books. They're wonderful. And did, did I read this correctly, that you also have a CD so people could listen to a guided yes. meditation with you? Okay. Yes. Almost all of the books have CDs that... They're not, they're not bundled inside the book. You, you get them separately from the website, but they're low cost. And because I spent many years doing music in theater and touring, doing concerts and so on, I always do original music on the CDs of the meditations and visualizations. Oh, wow. Well, we got to get our hands on some of those because the meditations, just reading them was very mm-hmm. powerful. So I'd love to hear the music you use also. Gosh. And they're, they're all on your website? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is? Uh, rjstuart.net is the bookstore website. Mm-hmm. And our, uh, that has links to a couple of other websites that we have. So oh, great. So you get to .net, you'll find links to the other ones from there. Excellent. Wonderful. Now, here's a question from Denise. She says, uh, sorry, I'm just tuning in, but I was wondering why the veil seems thinner for fairy realm in overseas countries, more so than in the U.S. Okay, well, Denise, that's a good question, but I'm going to say that it's maybe, if you'll forgive me, the wrong question, because... There are certainly many parts of the USA where the veil's pretty darn thick. 
uh, we we live fairly close to DC, and I'm sure the veil is going to be thick there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That's a that's a cloak. I don't. I don't think the veil is going to be thin. But there are many men. The USA is really many different countries under a federal government, mm. different climates, and different spirit beings. Oh, I never uh, thought of it that way. You know, I lived for years in Northern California, where the spirit beings there are immensely powerful. Uh, they, uh, uh, like the weather, like the mm -hmm. weather is immensely. The El Nino is full of spirit beings that come out up out of the ocean. And then the very first time I taught a workshop in Florida, uh, I thought, well, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this stuff for years. Okay. So, so I'm with a group of people, this little workshop, and I, I opened the, the gates. I opened the way for the fairy beings, and they were totally different to anything I'd ever seen because they were Florida fairy beings. Now, that doesn't mean they wore beach shirts and sandals. Okay, it doesn't mean that. They... They looked like spiky sea creatures. They looked like alligators. They looked like humans combined with uh, manatees. Wow. Because they were of their own environment. Yeah, in their own nat natural space. Now, we're going to have to take another short break, but we're going to come back to this fascinating discussion with R.J. Stewart. And... Oh my goodness. This I just we could talk to you all night, RJ. I think we're gonna to have to have you back. That's all there is to it. Definitely. So everybody stay tuned. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. We will be right back. Listening to IRN, the Inception Radio Network, Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Inception Radio Network listeners. This is Amanda. Just a reminder that Inception Radio Network is on Twitter. Follow us at I underscore R underscore N and keep up to date about who's on tonight, what interviews they'll be doing, who's guest spotting, what topics they'll be covering. Tweet to us, tweet about us, retweet topics to your friends, and most importantly, never miss a great show again. That's I underscore R underscore N. Computer? Is your internet connection down? Don't worry. Use your trusty cell phone or landline and call into our listen line at 401-283-6700 to listen to the Inception Radio Network 24-7. Again, that call-in number is 401-283-6700. For the Inception Radio Network, I am MJ. My name is Ezra, and I'm from the highend.org. You've heard of medical marijuana. But who can you trust for proper guidance? Here at thehighend.org, we have all the information you need. Did you know that scientists have discovered cannabis can reduce inflammation, pain, and spasms? It's helped my patients reduce the symptoms of autoimmune diseases, PTSD. Jenny had a dream. 
A dream of joining the national bobsled team. She worked out relentlessly and knew that if she just refused to give up, one day her dream would come true and she'd stand triumphantly up on the podium. But when her kids reminded her that she was 52 and she lived in Texas and maybe she started dreaming this dream a little late in life, she gave up on not giving up. But then she heard how Geico could save her money on car insurance, so she switched and achieved that dream instead. Autism and insomnia. A compound from hemp called CBD is doing wonders for intestinal issues, anxiety, and the nervous system. I sell this compound at thehighend.org. I've worked as a medical marijuana consultant and educator for the past six years, and here at thehighend.org, I can help you choose from the hundreds of cannabis strains and products and find the ones that are best for your needs. To learn more about cannabis, schedule a Skype or phone consultation, or to have a CBD product shipped right to your door, visit thehighend.org. That's thehighend, all one word, dot org. I'll help make your health high-end. Inception Radio Network. Would you like your favorite show to be played again live on air? Well, now the choice is in your hands with IRN's live request portal, an easy way to request your favorite show with a simple click. IRN's live request portal now gives you exclusive access to all the shows. How easy is it? Simply type a show name or a guest name, click request, even write a dedication message, and that's it. Try it now. Simply visit InceptionRadioNetwork.com. Click on the Live Request tab under the show menu. Now playing your favorite show is just a mouse click away. Are you a fan of Inception Radio Network? Do you reckon it's the best alternative talk radio station on the planet? Well, if you do, head to Facebook.com forward slash Inception Radio Network and like the page. Tell your friends, spread the word, and keep listening to the best. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With cosmic fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, The Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com
Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host from Tucson, PK, and our amazing guest we are so honored to have here with us tonight, R.J. Stewart. So, R.J., you, um, you were talking with us off the air about Denise's question, and her question, just to remind everybody, was why the veil seems thinner for the fairy realm in overseas countries rather than here in the U.S. And you said there was a second part of the answer that you wanted to give her. So please yes. go ahead with that. Yes, yes. And I think this is very important for all of us. I, I said, you know, there are very powerful spirit beings in the different territories of the U.S.A. They're, they're environmental, the different environments. But here's the thing. And I think this is maybe what Denise is, is thinking about. In Europe, the Mediterranean, Russia, all the old countries, Africa, people have worked with fairy beings for thousands and thousands of years. And so the veil is thin in that sense, in that those who went before us have done so much work to keep the contact going. Whereas in many parts of the USA, the spirit beings are there, but the culture of contact is, doesn't have a long life history, except, of course, in Native American tradition. Mm -hmm. And we also find it in some of the uh, ethnic traditions like Vudan, uh, Santeria. The, these are all traditions that do indeed work with spirit beings, but they brought them from other countries. The Native American traditions, of course, that are often very secretive uh, for good, good reasons. But the main thing is, in the old countries, there's this long, long thousands of years of interaction. So that makes the veil more transparent and easy to get through. Wow. Yeah, we need to kind of catch up. We've <laughs> got a lot to catch up. We do, we do. Well, RJ, why don't you talk to you. I know PK and I were so grateful for the information you sent us to read, and we were fascinated mm -hmm. by what you talked about, the crossroads and cord work. Yes. Can you tell us about this? We want to share this a little bit with our audience. Mm -hmm. Everybody should buy your books on this because it is amazing work. We need to know more about it and how to do it. But please tell us more about the concept of it. Okay, well... All magic is crossroads magic, because the crossroads are where the directions of the world come together, east, south, west, and north, mm -hmm. sky above, land below. As soon as you think like that, you're at the crossroads. Mm. Of course, in the old days, people would go to actual remote crossroads to do their fairy magic. I, I lived for oh, two years or so in a little teeny trailer on a remote crossroads in Exmoor in uh, England. Very wild place. And so I did a lot of crossroads work there. And many of the ancestral magic traditions, you go to the crossroads. It's where the directions come together. And it's also, in old magical traditions, the crossroads is called the place of truce. The place mm -hmm. of peace, where many different orders of life come together in peace. So the crossroads is like the meeting place. 
and one of the things that uh, I've written about in in my book, uh, The Spirit Chord, which includes fairy tradition at the crossroads and other traditions to do with a magical chord that you make and you wear for your meditations, is that you take your cord to the crossroads. And there the fairy beings will work with it. This is a remarkable experience. We've done this with many, many people. They go to the crossroads in vision, and the fairy allies will work with their cords. And after that, the cords always have that special energy woven into them. Hmm. Now, these cords that you describe, you said that there are two different lengths that people can have. One as tall as they are, and then a shorter cord, right? And they should be made out of organic material? Yes. <clears throat> I, I've gone into this, you know, in, in the book, of course, but mm-hmm. the, the spirit cord, the fairy and spirit cord, is, should be about the same length as you. It's as tall as you are. Because in a way, it is you. It's, it's to do with you and your spiritual life, your magical life. And that lasts for a long, long time. It can last for your whole life. You can have it cremated with you or buried with you. Mm. But small cords are made for practical purposes. And, you know, everyone knows, everyone knows an example of cord magic, which is very old-fashioned. Everyone knows it. When you're a little kid and your mom wants you to remember something, you tie a string around your finger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) There it is. Like Uh that. Cord magic. (laughs) Is one place on the body better than another if you're going to wear the cord? Say that again, please. Is one place better on the body than another if you're wearing a cord? Okay, well... Cords can be tied around the waist. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you do magical rituals, they can be the thing that you tie your ritual robe with. Uh, I put my cord around the back of my neck so it comes around right and left, and I hold it in either hand. And uh, there's a wonderful picture from uh, London Zoo a few weeks ago, and it shows a gorilla, and he's sitting there with a big length of white cord, and he has it round the back of his neck, and he's holding it in either hand. Oh, and my thinking, God. Wow, these teachings have really spread far and wide. <laughs> they sure have. Oh, my goodness. Now, is there a certain kind of thickness you should look for when you go to get a cord? I mean, should it be like, I don't know, a couple inches thick? Or, I mean, what do you look for when you, no, you no, go to get something like well, that? Well, it shouldn't be too thick. It should be. The preferred thing would be a nice organic weave that is fairly strong, you know, that's not going to shred and fall apart. I was teaching this stuff in a class in Britain a few years ago, and there was this dear uh, elderly lady who said, Oh, Robert, I've got my cord. And from out of her purse, she pulled this pink feather boa and started (laughs) waving it around, this pink fluffy thing. And then she looked at me and she said, no, only joking. Here's the real one. <laughs> pulled oh. another one out of her bag, which is more acceptable. Oh, so maybe it can't be a pink feather boa like yeah. from the 1930s. That's so funny. Oh, my goodness. But it should be a simple cord. 
that uh, is very easy to put away. We have to remember, you know, fairy magic was the magic of the underclasses, the people who were often mistreated. And so their magic had to be invisible. Now, nobody can confiscate a piece of string or rope, okay, because it's invisible. They're all over the place. Yeah, so when they would come and, and harass these people, they they would see a cord and it would be meaningless to them. Yeah, you tie it around a, a sack. I, I had an example of this in my own life a few years ago. There'd been a, a, a terrorist attack in London. And at Heathrow Airport, I was coming back to the U.S., and we were told that we had to ditch everything except our keys, our passport, and credit cards and money. And you were not allowed to take anything else on the plane because they were worried about further bad things. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I have my medicine bag with my uh, something that a Native American elder gave me and my cord. So I thought, okay, I know what to do. So I, I went into the men's room, took my belt off, and used my cord to tie my pants up. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so they're not going to take that off me as I go through security. And so I managed to, because otherwise I would have had to have dumped it. Oh, how horrible. And it's a magical item. Yes, so irreplaceable. So day, you can still make your cord invisible. Amazing. Now, uh, the crossroads. How? This is a question that was just texted to me in terms of how do you find the crossroads? I mean, you are very familiar, obviously, with what you're looking for, but how does how do we find it? How do we find that place? Well, there's, there's a couple of ways. The old-fashioned ways, you go to a quiet, remote place where two trails cross and make a crossroads. That's the physical part. The other thing that you can do is you can do it in vision and meditation, where you visualize say, a remote place with the crossroads. And often the visions that we use include either a well that goes down into the fairy realm, like you find in many fairy tales, or a standing stone, such as you find in Britain or ancient uh, European uh, sacred places. So it's like the marker stone at the center. And you build a vision of that, and so you go there in vision. Mm. Okay. Now, you can can you also envision the crossroads? Just again, I'm talking about an interior space like your own meditation room. Can you work this type of magic there, or do you have to be outside? Yes. You uh, outside you is good. Uh, sometimes inside is quieter nowadays. Yes, <laughs> true. You know, it's very hard to find anywhere where there isn't noise. This uh, is true. The, the curse of our modern culture. Yeah. Um, so indoors, yes. If you're going to the crossroads in your vision, you can do that indoors. And sometimes it is quieter. Now, I watch Supernatural. It's one of my favorite shows. And they always go to the crossroads and they conjure up a demon and make a deal for somebody's life, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so crossroads are throughout magical practice, not just fairy practice, right? Absolutely. Every single spiritual, magical, and religious tradition in the world has the crossroads in it. Hmm. Uh, I'll just give you two examples. 
in the Hindu temples, the the way a temple is started or consecrated is through dance to the directions. That's where Bharat Natyam dance originally came from. And by Ganesh, who's the lord of the crossroads, and he's also lord of the underworld as well as the crossroads. In Christian churches, the form of the church is the form of a cross. But also, where the center of that cross is, is of course a crossroads, because all the old churches are oriented east, south, west, and north. Mm. And we could go on with these examples forever. The Greek That's... temples, the Egyptian temples, they're all aligned to the directions, the planetary directions. And of course, where you stand in one place with the directions around you, that's the crossroads. This is so fascinating. And this is the, the information that you give in that book is, is amazing. I mean, everybody who's interested in this, they need to get your book. It is great. So um, here's another question. I know this has come up a lot and I haven't really asked it to you, but there are people who want to know, you know, are there, are there bad fairies, evil fairies, you know, fairies that would make mincemeat out of us or create mischief or are, are there entities like that in well, the fairy realm? I, I guess there are fairies right now saying, are there bad humans? Yeah. Oh, yes. Are there bad humans <laughs> who would make mincemeat out uh -huh. of us, treat us cruelly? Um, there's a very, very interesting uh, wisdom teaching about this. And it says that, in fact, Robert Kirk, who we talked about earlier, uh, has a version of this. It says that if your heart is pure, then the fairy beings that come and meet with you are pure and loving. But if you have a shadow on your heart or a hidden agenda or something bad within you, then the beings that come to you will treat you badly. Hmm. So it's a reflection of who you are. Yeah, exactly. What about fairies and healing? Because I know you did address that in your book a little bit too. So when, yes. when people work with fairies, they can heal, yes? This is, this is in my book, uh, The Well of Light, mm -hmm. which is a later book. It comes after the Cord book. And there I explored what are called the aptitudes for fairy healing. It was very, very widespread. There were famous, famous fairy healers in uh, Britain, Europe, Ireland, uh, right into the early 20th century. Uh, it was a very widespread practice. And the idea is that because the fairy beings work with energy and have a different sense of time, they're able to help with healing tasks and every human being has one or more aptitudes for working with certain fairy beings to help with healing you know it was very widespread people lived very simple lives they worked on the land or in fishing boats and so on and in those days if you had an injury you couldn't afford to go to a doctor uh, not so different to today and <laughs> true so, so they did hands-on healing, spirit healing, fairy healing. Some of the stories of fairy healing are remarkable. Uh, wounds being healed at a distance, mm. uh, taking the disease out of a body and putting it into a bowl of water. 
very similar to you remember all the stuff about the Filipino psychic surgeon. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Very, very similar to that. Amazing. That is incredible. And now, are, are these people that received healings, they actually had a relationship with the fairies and requested help? Is that how that worked? Well, they would go to the fairy healer. Um, I'll give you a famous example. It was an old lady who lived in Devon in England who would heal people by blessing them with a piece of white cloth. But, of course, what it was was the energy was in the cloth. And she worked with fairy beings. And uh, it's a rather sad story in a way because she was very famous. People would go to her for distance healing. She'd mainly do healing at a distance. They'd go on behalf of a friend or a family member. And the fairy beings would not let her uh, cultivate her garden or repair her house because they like wild nature. Hmm. And so part of her her uh, compact or deal with the fairy beings was that she wouldn't tend the garden. She'd let it go wild. And we often recommend to people, if they have a garden, you leave a little wild zone in there. Oh. They like to be. Mm. Anyway, this dear old lady who'd helped hundreds and hundreds of people ended up living in one room in her cottage. And in the end, the local authorities put her into an institution. Oh, no. Such a sad end for such a wonderful person. Oh, because, yeah, they thought because she wasn't tending to her house and her garden, there was something wrong with her mentally. Oh, man, that stinks. Isn't that awful? Here she was helping. Yeah, Yeah, and here she was helping so many people. Not a pretty picture. No, no, not at all. Well, that's, I mean, good for her for what she did, but she certainly paid a a price, which is too bad because people don't understand, didn't understand, and sometimes they, they still don't. Well, here's another question for you. This is again from Sonic and wants to know, uh, which ancient race of humans discovered fairies? Who? Ooh, <laughs> I wish uh-huh. I knew. Yeah, it's a <laughs> great question, Sonic. But a, at least a, a partial answer is that the what we today call fairy beings have had many names through the ages. And as far back as we have evidence that we can read or understand from ancient civilizations and cultures, that interaction between humans and fairies was always there. Hmm. So they've been here before us, probably. Well, this is one of the big things. The fairies are supposed to have been in the world before humans. And they will be in the world when humans have gone. Keep going back to E.T. Yeah. Wow. So that's so fascinating. So someday we may be gone. They'll still be here. Well, because uh, as Robert Kirk, who I wrote about, says, their lifespan is so long, we might as well consider them to be immortal. Oh, no kidding. So they live thousands of years? Thousands of years. And there's a great insight into this. Um, Therefore, they don't see you as you. Like, I think of myself as Robert Stewart. I have a name, and I, I, I kind of look like this and that. They don't see me like that. Oh. They see me as part of a continuum of all the Stuarts through time. 
So they, they probably look at you and they have a sense of your genetics, of where you come yes. from. Wow. Yes. Absolutely. That's very, very important. This is one of the keys to the secret of second sight and fairy healing. It's a continuum. It's not just an individual talent. That's probably why their healing is so powerful. Because we all know that illness doesn't just come from one thing. There can be a lineage associated with that or a family pattern associated with it. So they just have an incredible instant sense of all of it. Wow, that's quite a gift, more than a gift. Yeah, and that's a great insight. Thank you. Mm, definitely. Wowee, wow, this is just amazing. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to start doing some of this work that you're you're teaching us with your books. Mm -hmm. Now, do you also, RJ, give classes that people could sign up for either online or in person? Yes, yeah, both of those. Um, you can find our program at rjstuart.org. rjstuart.org. It has the program that Anastasia and I teach either together or individual things. Uh, she, she does uh, work in the Middle East, working with women on spiritual matters that are non-religious, you know, that are not sectarian. Mm -hmm. um, and so our program of workshops and events is on rjstuart.org. We're just about to do an update in the next few days, so some new stuff for 2017 will be going up. And we also do online courses. This is a fairly new thing. We've just started doing this in the last year. And uh, we're doing one on the new Merlin Tarot, the reprint, the beautiful reprint of my Merlin Tarot deck. And we're, we're very fortunate with people from all over the world who come online to join this uh, series of workshops. And the other one we're doing is called Magical Tales which is uh, reading stories from a book called Magical Tales that I wrote a few years ago, and new stories that we're still writing. And our aim with that uh, online workshop is to read the stories, have fun, talk about them, and then we're going to produce a couple of CDs of the stories for uh, later this year. And that's wonderful, yeah. And there's, we know there's a lot of power in stories. You can just transform someone with a story. So that, that'll be great to, to listen to your stories. And also for people who want to study this, you can buy RJ's books and you can also sign up for a class online or even go in person. I mean, this is very exciting work. And this is with two of the most talented people on the planet who really know what they're doing. RJ and his partner, I can't think of two better people to teach what to do and how to do it properly so now again we got to ask you did you ever run into an elf or a fairy or another being from the underworld that you didn't cotton to that you didn't like hmm well here's how here's how it works it's a little bit like this uh this radio show right now if we want to hear your great show, we tune into it. And we're not hearing other shows. At least we hope we're not. <laughs> we're tuned into yours. 
Okay, the one that we're the one that we're talking on right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this is true with the spirit world. It's what you tune into that's important because that tunes out other things that you may feel afraid of, that you dislike, that are inimical or bad in some way. And I always say, well, you know, AM or FM, we tune to FM, fairy magic. <laughs> That's great. So again, to, it's the reflection of your own consciousness, which is a something we all need to be aware of. Well, RJ, thank you so much for coming on our show. This was so delightful, so helpful to all of us interested in the fairy realm and the underworld. And oh, we wish you all the best, and we hope you will come back and talk to us about We didn't even get to talk to you, talk to you about your ant story, which is so cool. You guys are going to have to get the book and read about the ant story. It was great. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been a great pleasure being on the show, and I've enjoyed all the questions and the laughter. Thank you. Uh, good. Well, thank you so much. And please stay in touch with us on, on your latest endeavors and books so we can have you back. And next week, everybody, we're talking about sacred stones with Nicholas Pearson. So be sure to join us. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>